You're listening to the Yoga Inspiration Podcast with me, your host, Kino McGregor. I created this series to keep you inspired to get on the mat every day so that you can practice yoga and change your world, starting from the inside out, one breath at a time. Thanks so much for listening. Your support means everything to me. Hi, everyone. It's Kino here. Thanks so much for tuning in to Seek Up, the yoga inspiration show. Well, this episode is a continuation, or you could say part two from last week. I am so happy to say that I am no longer in the quarantine hotel in Norway. In fact, after the process of following all of the rules and regulations, I was able to test out of the quarantine on the third day. It was no small feat, actually, and I'll talk about that in a a moment. But first, I want to share how touched I am with all of the support that I've received from students all over the world, either sharing stories of their own quarantine or offering help to me in how to exit the quarantine and how to work the system in the EU to get my U.S. vaccination validated. So I just want to say a big thank you to all of the students and listeners and just people all over the world who have kind of come out and really shown their support. It really, really means a lot to me. And I definitely really rely on those positive moments and messages of support. So if you send me something like that, whether it's an email or it's a social media message, I do read them and it really does mean a lot. Uh, Receiving your messages of support really does help to, you know, make up for the sometimes difficulties of being you know, just out there in the world and getting both the positive and the negative interaction. So thanks for that. Now, I think some of you probably want to hear what actually happened. Well, there were a couple of things that were really kind of both cool and strange about the quarantine rules uh, in Norway. The hotel quarantine lasts for 72 hours from arrival. During those 72 hours, you're allowed out of the hotel for four-hour stints where you can go into shops and buy food or do essential shopping. You can also, they encourage you to take long walks in nature and to get some fresh air, that sort of thing. At the same time, they also recommend to maintain social distancing. If after the third day is finished, you can test out and get an approval to leave the hotel. If you test positive, however, they actually keep you in the hotel and then you're no longer allowed to go outside. And then they'll do contact tracing for any any close contacts or anyone that you've seen during those three, those first 72 hours. And what happened for me was that I scheduled a test at a private clinic 72 hours after my arrival in Norway. And this is because I wanted to expedite the process and be able to leave the hotel quarantine and go to teach at the beautiful retreat center of Nusen in a little bit like four hours away from Oslo. So I had the help of some really wonderful people in Norway and they had asked the Oslo City Commune if I was able to do a test and 
uh, at a private clinic. And the Oslo City Commune said, yes, I, I would be able to do a test at a private clinic. And the hotel that I was staying at also confirmed that I would be able to do a test at a private clinic. Of course, I was going to pay for that. Now, the reason why is because the government test that was scheduled for me was at 4 p.m. on Thursday. And I would have had to wait 24 to 48 hours for my results. And during that time, I would still be subject to the hotel quarantine. So that means that the earliest, according to the government regulations and following just the, you know, 24-hour processing time of the PCR test for COVID, I probably wouldn't have been out of the quarantine at the earliest until Friday, which was maybe going to be too late. And then probably at the latest, like Saturday evening. And then once the test result comes in, then the Oslo City Commune has to approve it. And then then they tell the hotel and then you can leave. So I went to a private clinic uh, that could expedite the test results. And I went to this private clinic and they expedited the test results. And you know, I was so grateful that I was negative. I do have to admit that I was a little bit nervous because what if I was positive, then everything would be, you know, uh, very complex. So I'm grateful that I was negative and hopefully the vaccine is working and I got the negative test results. And then uh, my friends in Norway proceeded to call the Oslo city commune. And there was a whole bureaucratic confusion because I don't have a European or Norwegian, um, uh, citizenship or ID number. So they had a very hard time validating the private clinic test result because it couldn't get attached to any profile that was already kind of on file in the country of Norway. So this was a big bureaucratic kind of craziness. And uh, my friends who were helping me had to actually get both the Oslo City Commune and the testing center and the hotel on the phone all at the same time to actually uh, validate this. And so after a bunch of phone calls and about an hour of uh, just bureaucracy, I was given the green light to leave the hotel. Amazing. And I have to say that although, again, I definitely realized I had really no problems while I was there. You know, they were giving me food. I had shelter. I had, uh, you know, a, a comfortable bed and access to a bathroom and just everything was available. So there's really no problems. At the same time, there was this feeling of being stuck and under, you know, just under some kind of authority that is beyond your control. So when I was finally free, I remember that I just stepped out of the hotel and I said, you know, hallelujah, praise Jesus. I felt it was like a religious experience almost just step out and breathe the fresh air and, you know, realize that, hey, I, I, I'm free. I don't have to go back into the hotel. So after the quarantine hotel was finished, I then began the trip up to Newson, where there were some wonderfully patient yoga students waiting for me. And the experience of, of, of actually the contrast of being in the hotel quarantine and then going directly to Newson just made the whole arrival into the Norwegian mountains even more spectacular. I mean, I think that Nusen is probably one of my favorite places on the whole planet. And the mountains of Norway are just absolutely stunning and magical. And I mean, if you get the chance to come to Nusen, whether on my retreat or someone else's retreat, I really, really highly recommend it. It's a really, really beautiful retreat center. And it has the heart and spirit of yoga there. It's run by my friend and colleague, Alex Medin, who spent so much time in Mysore studying uh, the Ashtanga yoga method, studying Sanskrit, studying the traditional scriptures and shastras of the yoga tradition. And he's really brought that into, you know, the Shala space there. And it's absolutely, you really feel it. You feel the heart and soul of the space. And yeah, so 
the arrival there was just incredible. And I remember kind of reflecting on this idea that, you know, it's the yoga practice that prepares you for kind of meeting adversity, whatever that adversity is, or difficult circumstances. The yoga practice kind of prepares you for those moments. And then, you know, how do you meet that adversity? How do you meet that difficulty? Are you able to maintain a cheerful disposition amidst the struggles and difficulties of life? Or do the struggles and difficulties of life get you down? Do you take it upon yourself to use the tools that are available to further your own spiritual journey? Or do you look to others to fulfill that task? And this was something that I was reflecting on during the days in the quarantine. You know, I felt I have my spiritual practice. I have my meditation practice. I have my asana practice. And there was room to do that in the room that I was in. And I felt really blessed for that because, you know, the style of meditation and yoga that I, I teach and practice, once the method is kind of learned, the idea is that the student is kind of responsible for their own trajectory on the journey. And you can check in with the teacher, but the teacher is not necessarily needed to provide daily, consistent, persistent support. But instead, that really the responsibility and the mantle of the practice lies in the student's journey. So I felt like I'm almost on, you know, you, you could turn it around and say, well, I've got this blessing. I'm, I can be on a retreat here. You know, I'm, I can turn the whole world off and just uh, sit and meditate and do my yoga practice. You know, you don't need even internet for that once you have the foundations of the practice fully established. So I was reflecting a lot on that and I just felt like, gosh, the the ability to maintain a cheerful disposition amidst the inevitable ups and downs of life, the ability to maintain an equanimous mind amidst the vicissitudes of life, this is the testament of the spiritual practice. And one thing that I like to say when I'm teaching is that, you know, you can fail at all of the asanas. You can fail, which means you may never put your leg behind your head. You may never do that miraculous handstand press. You may never get your jump back, your jump through, your deep back bend, your twist, whatever asana it is that you're chasing. It might not happen. And you could still succeed at yoga because yoga is that inner journey that can't be judged by what shapes we're making the body. If we judge the yoga practice by what shapes we're making the body, then we're judging the success really of only the aesthetic form that is only just a small fraction of even what yoga asana represents. So the yoga practice can really only be measured in internal metrics, the metrics of peace and tranquility. And perhaps, perhaps by seeing how a yoga practitioner faces adversity, whether they're able to remain calm and equanimous with whatever difficulty is presented and difficulty takes different forms for different people in different circumstances. But if that individual is able to meet that adversity while maintaining a cheerful disposition, well, then, you know, the yoga practice is working. And maybe we're not perfect and myself neither, you know, maybe we're not able to meet those difficult circumstances with cheerfulness and equanimity every single time. Maybe we're not able to see the gratitude in or the silver lining in every difficult circumstance, but we're trying, we're trying, we're trying. And that's the key. The key is to, you know, not let the anxiety, the irritation, the grasping, the attachment, our wants, our desires, our privilege get in the way of showing up and putting in the work when things get difficult, whatever that work is. So sometimes it's about remaining cheerful despite uh, situations being out of our control and being subject to 
the you know situation like I was in the hotel quarantine and maybe other times it's a it's a physical malady you know sometimes we suffer a physical injury or a sickness that you know suddenly appears and instead of you know letting it get us down it's uh, requires a lot of effort to remain kind of hopeful and optimistic and and at the same time without being you know toxically positive and at the same time without being overly pollyanna and ignorant of what is there's a delicate line to walk where we can meet that adversity with equanimity and not let it not let it get us down you know uh, not let it not let it kind of rule our lives or define who we are and this is a really important thing to kind of consider when you're reflecting on what is the practice and why do I continue to practice? What is the practice and why do I continue to practice? Well, I continue to practice because I know that when I do my practice, if it's a sitting practice or my asana practice, that I'm able to meet adversity whether it is big or small, <laughs> in whatever form it takes, I'm just able to meet that with more equanimity. I'm able to meet my own faults with more forgiveness, kindness, and understanding. And at the same time, I'm ready to take more intelligent, wise action. And then each time I move from reaction, each time I skip my practice, for example, and I do do that sometimes, if you can believe it, sometimes I, you know, take a day completely off. And, uh, you know, don't practice on, don't, even those days I somehow usually do manage to meditate for at least five minutes. And that's kind of my, my lowest benchmark of an everyday spiritual practice is at least five minutes a day, at least a meditation, if not asana practice. And I, I, I can't, I, I, the last time that I stopped, uh, meditating was a really, really, really dark period of my life. And I've been, I've been sitting and doing the meditation practice for more than 20 years. And there was a period during that where I just fell off the meditation path for a little bit. And the reason why was because there were some really dark thoughts that were recurring in my mind and I just couldn't face myself anymore. And each time I came to the meditation cushion, I was just confronted with the overwhelming kind of weight of the darkness, you know, the, the unbearable lightness of being, you could say, right, or the unbearable heaviness of being. And, you know, I just thought that asana was going to be enough, but it wasn't. And, and it, was, it was actually out of that period of darkness that I, you know, returned to the meditation practice and kind of really understood that, you know, five minutes a day is the minimum amount of time to make a difference in the quality of your day and in the quality of your mind. And so when people ask me about, uh, should I, I, you know, I don't have enough time to start meditation. I don't have enough time. I always say just five minutes a day, or if you feel overwhelmed by sitting in silence, you know, then five minutes a day can be manageable. And I think this is kind of a just a healthy place for everyone to start. And if you're listening to this and you want to start a meditation practice, I can really just advise you to start where you are, start sitting for five minutes a day. Many different styles of meditation, just like there are many different styles of yoga. So you want to find one that speaks to you. I practice uh, Vipassana meditation, and this is something that I find great benefit from. It's not the only style of meditation out there, so if you're interested in meditation, then I really recommend that you just uh, continue to uh, search for the path that's right for you. So, back to yoga, right? Yoga asana. If we judge the, the practice of yoga by asana, if we judge meditation by how many hours we can sit still like a stone, then we're focusing on the accoutrements or the outer 
the outer uh, sort of manifestations of what the yoga practice and meditation practice really are about. And remember that yoga is a spiritual journey. We're, we're in this for the peace, the happiness, the more intangible stuff that kind of pops up and gets sprinkled into our life. So when we think about asana, what is the tool of asana? Well, asana brings a sense of embodiment. So the idea is that we're bringing the mind back into the body. And when we're able to be in communion with the body, we get to feel everything. And it can be a scary journey for some people and maybe for everyone on some, some degree. We need to become friends with the body. And it's this act of friendship that is such a crucial, pivotal kind of moment on the spiritual path when we learn to be friends with ourselves, when we learn to be kind with ourselves, you know. And this is something that is, is, a, is a very, very deep lesson. Because we can be kind to ourselves when everything works out, you know, when we get it all right, when we are able to figure figure everything out. We make a big mistake like showing up in Norway without the EU digital uh, COVID certificate and thinking that I had everything sorted. Then, you know, you can easily beat yourself up and engage in self-directed negativity. And sometimes I do that too, right? Where we can think to ourselves, man, I'm so stupid. I should have figured this out before. Why didn't I think of it? Oh, I should have thought of that. I should have thought of this. I should have done this. I should have done that. And then we end up, you know, just rehashing the past and dragging ourselves down kind of a rabbit hole that there's no escape from. So what can we do? Well, first of all, there's always this wonderful, magical thing called the present. And that's why the yoga practice and meditation practice are so helpful to just kind of break free of those repetitive thoughts because we can step into, you know, the present and we're here and we're here. We're here. No matter where here is, there's here. You can bring your mind to a hotel quarantine and you can bring your mind to the Ritz-Carlton, you know, whether you're in a five-star hotel with the butler service or whether you're in a hotel uh, with, um, you know, uh, quarantine food. It's uh, it's really about the peace that's in, in inside yourself. You know, there's many miserable people in five-star hotels and hopefully there are also some cheerful people in some of those quarantine hotels or in other circumstances around the world. So in other words, the idea is that we are each responsible for our own peace and well-being and that environmental circumstances come and we do the practice so that we are not bound by those environmental circumstances and when we're not emotionally bound when we can set our emotions aside we can see more clearly when we can see more clearly then more elegant solutions pop up to the surface and those elegant solutions are often not what we think they're going to be you know sometimes when we're in that state of grasping and holding then we start doing visualizations that just carry the same energy of our grasping and our holding. So I spent a lot of time freaking out about getting that digital COVID certificate. You know, am I going to get this? How am I going to get this? I had sent this message and this email trying to follow the procedure with the French government. I proceeded to send them three emails and 10 follow-ups in a very intense, um, in a very intense, Oh, <laughs> email sprint to see if I could produce a response. I didn't produce any response. There was no response, none whatsoever. Um, some people wrote to me and said, hey, you know, Germany is actually doing the, is able to validate the EU, uh, create the EU digital COVID certificate from the U.S. vaccination. So, um, 
I I had been scheduled to teach in Munich, but that got taken online again due to some changing COVID restrictions in uh, the German, uh, I think, province of Bavaria. I'm sorry if I got that wrong. So the area called Bavaria in Germany. So my host there, uh, she actually uh, suggested that she try to uh, actually get this done for me. And by the grace of God, she went into the German pharmacy with all my information and was able to convert the, and the pharmacist there was able to convert the U S vaccination card into a QR code, which has the giant stamp on it EU digital COVID certificate. So by this point, I'd fully let go of actually receiving the EU digital COVID certificate. I was not stressing out about it. The French government hadn't heard from me from for at least five days <laughs> and um, maybe more actually. And then I, uh, I, you know, received an email from her with the, with these, with these QR codes. And it was, again, a really, I was, of course, very, very thankful and excited and happy. And since then, there were numerous other individuals who'd written to me saying, I think that that we're also in Germany that offered their help and assistance in uh, producing this QR code. And of course, I, you know, I'm holding this, this QR code and I'm thinking, gosh, if I just had this, when I came into Norway, I wouldn't have had to go in the quarantine, which is also in and of itself, that's a whole other question. So, you know, if had I known that I would have taken a flight to Germany and dealt with it in Germany and just maybe arrived even a day late or even the same day, you know, uh, to Norway. Second, of course, they're, 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 if Germany can validate it, then maybe there are some other countries like Norway, for example, that might also want to consider creating a system for uh, people to validate their vaccination cards as well. But uh, we have to live and let live, right? So I'm just, again, super grateful that I have this. But it was interesting because there wasn't, it almost arrived at this moment when there was no attachment, you know, I've kind of, I kind of gotten over it. Oh, well, I guess I'm not going to have this. And I'd gotten over the the jealousy I felt towards my, my husband, who is easily able to get his you know, EU uh, DCC, which is the EU Digital COVID Certificate, because he's a Danish national and has a Danish uh, passport number and all that that jazz. So um, I got over all that, and then I just, uh, and then it arrived. You know, I thought, okay, well, here we go. And then suddenly it was there. So that was pretty special. Um, and also just a good lesson in non-attachment and how actually sometimes when we have our attachment into our what we want, then sometimes, you know, I kind of think the universe knows that it, we can't really get what we want until we let go of the attachment. It's like the holding on it. If we're powerful, then the more we hold, the more powerful the the, the kind of restriction is going to be. So at least sometimes I think that. Well, this is not a normal, normal uh, episode, everyone. I just am kind of giving everyone an update. So what's next for the update? Well, next weekend... I'm going to be in Sweden. After Sweden, I will be teaching in Sweden. I'll be teaching in Stockholm for the weekend. I'm going to come back to Denmark and where Tim and I are doing family visits and spending time in Copenhagen um, during the week. And then I'll be in Amsterdam for my birthday, which is going to be very exciting. I'm also teaching in Amsterdam. After Amsterdam, again, we come back to Copenhagen for a little more family stuff during the week. And then I'm teaching in Manchester Uh, from Manchester directly to Athens, and I'll be teaching in Athens. So this is where you can find me in Europe, and I won't be back in Europe until next year. So I hope that the uh, United States and the EU create some kind of 
you know, uh, travel corridor for vaccinated people. So I hope I'll be seeing all of my European friends, students and yogis and in class soon. And otherwise, I hope to see you on the mat over here on this side of the pond. And I send everyone a lot of love and I'll see you real soon. Hey there, it's Kino here. I just wanted to thank you for tuning in to my podcast. Your support and your time and your attention really mean a lot to me. If you're enjoying this podcast series, you can find the full-length videos on my online channel, OMSTARS. And that's at www.omstars.com. You can redeem a 14-day free trial and get access to our full library of over 3,000 classes and also practice yoga with me online. I'd also love to see you in class sometime. So you can find my full live in-person teaching schedule on my website, which is kinoyoga.com. And if you haven't checked out my books, I'd absolutely be honored if you'd check those out. You can find those available at any online bookseller. The Yoga Inspiration Podcast is designed to keep you inspired to get on the mat. And I hope you're leaving each episode with a little glimmer and spark of the spirit, which is the true heart of the yoga method. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. May you be happy. May you be peaceful. May you be filled with love. Namaste.